0: moment. Lord, you're worthy. You are king of all glory tonight, Jesus. We worship you, God. We praise your name. Amen, amen. Feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen, amen. I'm so thankful to be here tonight. I uh, I always take a moment, but I just want to thank God for my pastor. I'm thankful for this time of year, for uh, there might be nights where he's maybe not here. I know camps are going to be a a, a a thing throughout the summer. And so a lot of times he's requested on grounds and different things. But I'm thankful for my pastor. I'm thankful for the shepherd that's in my life and what God's given us. Amen. And all the other ministers that, that help and, and work around the church. I know we honored Pastor Evan, but we have so many that... Uh, I'm just grateful for a church that just doesn't make one man do it all alone. Amen. Thankful for my church tonight. Amen. Thankful all of our young men have left the room. (laughs) Tonight, for just a few moments, I know they've turned it over to me quickly, but I want to take time to talk about something that's not only near and dear to my heart, but I think something that will help encourage us as parents and families around our church. And I don't have an eloquent title about tonight, but if I was to title it, I would call it Raising Christian Boys. And maybe a better word would be to say Raising Men of God. Raising Men of God. Amen. If you turn in your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 22. I'm going to be reading New King James. I'm only going to make you stand for the first chunk of Scripture, and then you may be seated after Proverbs. I'm going to go to Psalms. So Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Amen. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have a promise that he will not depart from it. You may be seated. I have, um, I've been cold all afternoon, and in the middle of summer, that just means one thing, is that there's nerves at work. <laughs> uh, if you don't know me, there's some topics that make me nervous. This is one of those topics that make me nervous. I want to bring it the way the Lord has uh, laid it on my heart, and, um. Some of it makes me nervous because I've also got two boys I'm trying to raise, and God has blessed me with those boys, but I want to do it right. Amen? I don't know about you as a parent, but I really feel I've got one shot with them. And they're all different, they're all unique, but there's some things that we can attribute to uh, male and female, and tonight I want to focus on our boys. Uh, To read more scripture, and I'm sure I'll be reading this the next time when I uh, bring Raising Christian Girls to us, Psalms 127, 3 through 5. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall not speak with their enemies in the gate. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4, says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth and your fathers and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 reads like this, 6 and 7. And these words I command you today that they shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And talk of them when you sit in your house, and you shall walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up. And Colossians 3, 20 and 21 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for it is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. There are five age groups that young boys turn into young men. I'm going to talk about these age groups, and I know I've always shared a lot of stories, and some of them are personal. My daughter began to ask tonight, Daddy, what are you preaching? And I know she's just as nervous. Please don't talk about me is all she cares. And I said, no, no, that's next time. So, so tonight, if I talk about my boys again, don't tell them. It's just between us. I don't let them watch our services on Facebook even when we're done. I don't care if it is the right thing to do. They just don't need to know everything if I'm talking about them. Amen. But there's five age groups to boys. You have the explorer, and we're going to dive into these. You have the explorer, age two to four. The lover, which is ages five to eight. The individual, nine to 12. The wanderer, three to 17. And the warrior, 18 to 22. And dare I say, some guys just never grow up. (laughs) Y'all better hang with me tonight. I counted. There's about a hundred of us. If there's not at least one little giggle at some point in your night, that's on you. That's not on me. Explorers need choices. Ages two to four. Explorers need choices and responsibility. They need boundaries. Lots of opportunities to to succeed. The following are maybe suggestions to deal with an explorer. They don't don't confuse them. Keep it simple. Uh, when we were raising our boys, it was imperative you gave them one command at a time. Go get your clothes, please. Go put your clothes in the drawer, please. One command, right? Some parents have never learned this, and you've told your kid, I told you to get a towel, go get in the shower, wash everything, dry off, get out, do your hair, do your teeth, and then go crawl in bed. And make sure your laundry's put up before you get there. And we wonder why they don't do a thing. And then we get frustrated. This is the whole provoking them to wrath part, where we're screaming... Anybody ever? (laughs) Y'all act like you're all good. Let me let me start maybe a little simpler. There are three parts to your life. Has anybody ever heard of an IQ? It's your intelligence, right? It's how good you're gonna do on a test. It's how quickly you can gain knowledge of something or just seemingly have the knowledge. And then you have what's called an AQ, which is how you will deal in adversity. It's an adversity quotient. And so an AQ is how you'll handle conflict and situation and resolve. And, and some people are naturally good at that. Some people have to learn it, just like IQ. There's things you can learn and, and work to get your brain working harder and, and find ways to deal with all that strife. And then there's this thing called an EQ, which is an emotion quotient. Tonight, we're probably going to focus more on the EQ, more than intelligence or how you handle adversity. It's all about our emotions tonight. Can somebody say amen? Can the rest of you say amen? Glory? We're going to get in unity before it's all said and done. And EQ is what matters when we handle our children. If we come at them irate and out of control, that's the only example that they'll ever see. And so they'll have no ability to do anything but be irate and out of control. I'm sure most of us, even as kids, grew up and there's at least something, uh, You know, as a boy I relate to my father, there's at least one thing where I said, I will never grow up and be like my father because of that. But without any additional training and work, I will only have one option, and that's to grow up and become exactly that. So it matters as parents that we don't provoke our children to wrath. It matters that we have a calm demeanor at times. It doesn't mean uh, uh, that we don't discipline. Let me read some of the other scriptures that nobody wants to talk about. Proverbs 13, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Do not withhold correction from your child in Proverbs 23, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. <laughs> now, balance is key. <laughs> I remember not that long ago, I was at a um, one of our small groups, and my boy took one of those things that stretched, and some of you were probably there, and he popped it real loud in my ear. And, I feel like I've I've not been in the military, but with uh, being an electrician, when things spark around me, I get very jumpy. And so I don't know where I get this up, just this this screaming loud. And I looked at him and I jumped. I said, "Boy, I'm going to beat you." The whole table got quiet. And I felt like, well, can't preach this message. <laughs> how do you how do you go back from that? I just said I was going to beat my kid, and I'm I'm threatening with. And so it's it matters. I've got to. Those moments, as a dad, I've got to say, "Hey, buddy," and I did. I did. I, man, I was. I was wrong. I didn't mean to come off so mean. I'm sorry. I got so shook up, but you can't do that to me. I'm going deaf, so loud things really affect me. I tried to. I tried to, you know, simplify it and make it better, and try my best to just say, "Man, I'm, I'm not trying to be like that." It doesn't mean that you're. You're not human in raising your children, but it does matter that you try to be godlike in everything that you do love requires forgiveness and seeking forgiveness amen and so that's what when we see these young uh, I, I loved it tonight when I saw our group because that's there's so much that happens if you if you read it with me three of the five groups happen before age 12 and so these wonders will do that and so there, there's things that we can do again to help them not to confuse them limit their choices set forth a few simple rules that they can enforce show them, how to behave. Show them how to behave. Uh, have your discipline make sense. Spanking a two-year-old might not make a lot of sense, amen? I'll wait. Listen, let me preach against something real quick. There's this new fad that's going around, and I think it's called like gentle, gentle parenting or something of that nature. There's a also another fad that a lot of um, uh, ladies, when they become pregnant, don't know what to do. They'll call it peer counseling. And so we've, we've gotten, to, because they have cool words, just like social distancing, we think they're great words. We think they're, they're things we should follow. And am I alright? We think there's things that we should follow. And, well, we've, we've got to be that because that's a new cool thing to do. And so we throw out anything the Word of God says does speak of discipline. It just does. It just like it speaks of a lot of other things that that we preach against. It speaks of those things. And it's not about being hard all the time, but it's, it's definitely not saying, well, we don't ever. It's like it's okay to have discipline. And so from two to four, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense sometimes. Now, four, I know we're getting to an age where it might make sense uh, to spank. And I'll try to get off this topic as quick as possible because I can feel the tension and I can look at the faces. But I do understand in my child, I have to know how to discipline uh, even a young child to take things away, to to modify what they have available to them. Uh, have your discipline make sense. Put things up that uh, uh, when they don't listen to instruction, model self-control. They're watching you. Praise that child like crazy. It's imperative uh, almost every one of these uh Parts of life, guys are extremely quick um, to respond to admiration. They need validated. They need positivity. They're looking for it. They don't need a bunch of strife when they're trying to do something. They need to know that people are behind them. People are on their side. It's not nothing wrong like, like with a speech class. There's nothing wrong with being nervous. But uh, as a boy, I only had my mom to rely on sometimes. You know, when I look at, I wasn't dating at 14 and 15, I just I just didn't we'll keep moving. But I would look to her, and she would affirm me as I'd practice in the evening. She would make it very plain, no, honey, that's good, that's good. No, here's what you need to fix. And, oh, I'd get frustrated at her, but she was my affirmation in so many ways. I had to make it positive for her. For the next stage group, you have lovers they find themselves at a complex spot on their journey to manhood, though they still exhibit many of the traits of explorers, such as curiosity, activity, and aggressiveness, and self-determination. They are These are balanced by more tender and relational characteristics. Our job as parents and caregivers is to nurture and help the, our lovers to find the balance they need during this season. You all know I have two kids, right, that are boys. I have Morrison and Sullivan. We call them Moe and Sully. If you haven't ever seen my son, my son literally cut his teeth on this here asphalt concrete. He knocked out his front teeth. He's aggressive. How in the world we've never put a hockey stick in his hand, I don't know. But we just haven't. There's not enough ice around here year round. But but with him, it was very much that we had to uh, um, worry about his well-being. We had to make sure that I'll never forget it. They had black paper spread out everywhere. We were still building the church. And I've even got it on video where he took off running and they they I think they might have pulled up the, the black paper in here, but they were still painting some of the classrooms. And and so he's running along looking all cute. And this is probably him at, you know, four years old or, or two years old, and he's just running full charge. He's just careless and carefree. And he got in the classroom and I'm like, Oh man, that's cute. That's a good video. And then I hear the screaming, blood curdling. What just happened? And he comes walking out, and his mouth is pouring blood out of our nursery. Fitting, and so he comes out screaming, and and we go rushing over, and mom's worried, she's crying, she's thinking we're gonna have to go and and take him and 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 figure out all of life with him, and and uh, uh, eventually knocking his teeth out. So I knew I had something special with Sully. To further, to further do damage to my own reputation. The ER nurses do know me by name. This is not due to the beating. This is due to Legos. This is due to weird stuff where my kids just seem to go into ER. In fact, there was one time it had been our our second visit for the weekend. And um, the nurse, (laughs) I wish this was made up, the nurse began to recognize me. and, And she said, weren't you in here the other day? And I said, that's a HIPAA violation. She comes back five minutes later and she's apologized. I am so sorry. You're so right. I I'm, I said, lady, I promise, I'm kidding. Just don't call CPS. It's a Lego. The first one was like an asthma attack or something like that. And so here we are. And and so I'll never forget with Sullivan. Have you ever? Has anybody ever gotten a Lego out of a kid's nose? Anybody? Any hands? Great. I'll tell you how to do it. It'll save you some money. You have to place your hand. As this is gross. They told me that you're going to do this, and I thought I'm not paying you. <laughs> so, because I did all the work. When you do the work, you don't you don't have to pay those bills. <laughs> Just kidding. So they said you're going to have to place a finger over the nostril without the uh, object in it. I thought, okay, great. Then, oh, you get to blow into his mouth, and it'll come shooting out. And so I began to blow into his mouth, and real quickly the thing hit me in the side of the cheek, and he sits up, smiles, and goes, "I'm all better." I shake my head, I put my mask on because it's 2020, and I go home, and I go about my day, and it was about 5 o'clock in the evening, and my dad goes, what's on your face? And I thought, not a Lego at least, but there's boogers. So I have something special with Sullivan. We have a memory, and we talk about it very gently and not very often. And I have Mo. Mo is one that if you get to know him, you'll love him. Mo is a hugger, and and I think Porter's his best buddy, and 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 so when I look at Mo, he's um, uh, very much just a, a, a man that just loves being around people, loves to recognize you. He'll he'll remember waitresses' names literally from two years ago at camp when we went to Ford's garage, and he said, "You remember Wendy, Dad?" I said, "I do remember Wendy," because I try to make it a point about that. I want us to remember people and not just food or things. I try to expand their minds, and I try to grow them. I try to raise the EQ. So I try to raise their emotions and make them aware of people in the world. That's, to me, all that's going to matter in the end. It's it's not about how well my job, and we need people like that, that worry about those things and make things perfect. But I'm not that guy, so if they're going to learn from me, they're going to learn how to love people. Well, Moe's that type of person. He just loves you to death, and 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 he'll find a way to remember something about you and have relationship with you. In fact, he's going through the individual stage. Individuals find them selves on the fault line of childhood and adolescence. As caregivers, we need to expect some earthquakes. We need to prepare for them. We need to know what to do when they hit. We need to prepare our boys for handling them well. Individuals, that age group, are at the beginning of some very bumpy years as parents uh, or caregivers. It is our job to equip uh, ourselves and equip them for rough rides and the aftershocks that follow. Here's a list of some of the tremors, which I'll go over here in a minute. But the funniest part is because we think that even though our boys are different, that they're the same throughout life, but they're not. And so we have to raise them accordingly. Right now I have Sullivan who can't sit on my lap enough, a boy that literally wants to be by my side as we mow the lawn, as we brush our teeth, as we go to bed, as, as we sit on a couch, as I work in the garage. This dude is there Yet the one that's a people person wants nothing to do with me. But without learning something about this, I think it's me. So I would retaliate if I didn't know any better. Amen? Can I be real? That's what we do, is we feel like, well, why aren't you hugging me? Why aren't you why aren't you talking with me? Why are you avoiding things? Why are you doing and and we forget, and so we provoke them inadvertently to wrath. This is a big point. This is a, if I could drive some scripture home, it might be that one where we don't provoke our children to wrath. So we find ways to, to know that they're in this period of time. It's only a period. And if I can help them process it, then I can help them to the next phase of life. Otherwise, this is where Sister Lisa came and talked for weeks on our limbus system and, and talked about how there's some horrible roads and paths that we've paid that we're trying to undo and, and relearn. And when we look at our counseling, we see all these, these networks. It can start in childhood, and we don't even realize. As parents, we have helped navigate these paths. Because of something tragic that's happening over and over, and, and a, a young boy sometimes that doesn't realize he's doing wrong or doesn't know how to fix it, maybe wetting the bed too late in life, he doesn't understand why his body's doing that, and yet somehow he's to blame, and so he'll start to beat his, his self up in the mind thinking that I've got to do something better, I'm not good enough. Again, affirmation. Everybody Okay. This is valuable because if we're going to be the body of Christ, the truth is that we're going to have more children around here. And we need to help nurture children. Uh, the pastor has always said it. all If you'll give my kids grace, then I will do the same to you. And that's when he first got to church. Uh, uh, here as the pastor, I believe he said something similar to that where it, it show my son and uh, my son some grace and and I in, in turn will will do the best I can to show your kids some grace. That's that's all he was looking for. That's great. But that doesn't mean we're just absent in everything that we do. If I see my kid or your kid running around the creek down there or the pond or whatever the case is, at some point I still have to be an adult and say, hey, hey, hey this this might not be the best place for us. Thank God for Sister Cheryl. At summer nights, I saw her go and almost take off running around the, the the pond just to go grab some kids that everybody else had just forgot about for a minute. So it's important. So back to that when when he's out of, uh, out of the house, periodically browse through his room, his backpack, monitors, emails, text messages, Facebook accounts, keep tabs on the websites he visits, compare notes with his friends. Always talk to the other parents, confirm plans, adequate supervision, and when he's spending time. So let me dive into this for a little bit because it talks about that age group. In the summers, when I look at somebody like Mo or even my nephew, uh, Simon, we have to be intentional about our summers. We can't just let them roam free. They're going to get into mischief. But if we direct them, then we'll have some path and we'll have some place to go. We got to keep dialogue going. Let him dialogue going. Let him know your views. Don't follow the crowd. The biggest thing my daughter has yet to understand is just because she's twelve does not mean she gets a cell phone. My sons will learn the same fate when they become twelve. Doesn't matter what so and so is doing across the way. Doesn't matter what well, across the aisle. Well, they got one. That's great. I'm proud of them. I'm happy for them. I'm praying for them. I hope God uses them. I hope that's a tool they can use. And I'm not mad at parents that give it to them. But for me and my house, don't follow the crowd. It's okay. Listen, across the board, it's okay if you raise your children differently. When when the whole group does one thing, you don't have to let your kid be submitted to that thing. Well, I don't care what it brings. It's okay to say my kids are going to be children of God. Well, they're all going over to watch a scary movie. Well, praying for them. Ain't getting that mess in my kid's brain. They won't sleep. So love them. It's okay to love other people's uh, children in that aspect, to, to pray for them and to be thankful for them. But at the same token, understand that as it's your kid, you don't have to just give in to that. My kid doesn't have a Facebook account. In fact, my boys have a tough time with Xbox. My son, every day, because he won't ask it out loud, Mama will put a stop to it. She doesn't like the Xbox. I'm okay with that. I get it. But I'm a boy, too, so my son, Mo, he tries to, he tries to get at me, and so he'll do sign language. He'll make a box, and he'll put an X. Just like that. Took me a while. I said, what's that? What is O-X? An ox. <laughs> no, Xbox. And I said, oh, No, but I love you. In fact, they say that with children, the one thing that really kind of messes up young boys is an Xbox or is a PlayStation or a Nintendo sometimes if it's in the wrong things. Do you realize why that stuff is so harmful? Now, don't get me wrong. We have one. I just told you we did. We have movies. We don't watch cable live and all that other stuff, but we definitely have our forms of entertainment. I don't see the sin in it, but I understand there needs to be limits on everything. Amen? Amen. And so with that stuff, what happens like in an Xbox or in a gaming world is there is one thing that they try to do in every game, and that's speed up reality. And so they will try their best like a basketball game. There is nothing worse when you play a basketball game than when your whole team is tired. It's like you bunch of, you guys are running so slow. I'm benching all of you. I'm trading you if I get a chance. I'm done with you. You guys are horrible. Ladies have no idea what I'm talking about. That's all right. But the goal is to speed things up. In fact, there's books that we've read like Glow Kids. If you've never read it, it's a great book to read. It's a Christian-based book where it talks about kids that have had their entire psycho- uh, psychological mind melted and, and, and the chemicals of their body changed. They have these gamer vibes where these kids will sit in chairs, and in the middle of summer they'll have sweatshirt hoodies on, they'll have the hood up, they'll have sweatpants on, socks, and then they'll have a heater at their feet, and it's 90 degrees out. They've sat so long in the same place without moving that all the blood has has rushed from extremities and just kept the main core warm because they're just sitting there gaming away. Y'all still okay? Just nod at me every now and then. Some quit nodding. That lets me know where to go. But with all of it, we've got to be cautious of our children. My kids decided yesterday that it was time to mow the lawn, so we mowed our dirt. Everything sprang up. It was nothing but a big dust cloud. It's imperative that I'm there for my children. I, I bought a trampoline this year. I found a great deal on one. I'm I'm determined to keep my kids outside. I'm determined to let them just go out and play. If they break something, even if it's a bone, I hate that. I don't want that. But at least they're doing something, other than sitting inside. I came home from from work today, and uh, we were cleaning and different things. My wife was throughout the house and. I asked him, I said, You guys got outside today, right? Oh yeah. I said, Are you sure? Y'all look awful cold to be outside. Like I see socks on and sweatshirts and blankets. There's blankets on in my house right now. What are y'all doing? It's my goal. I'm gonna you're getting kicked out. I want you to go and burn that energy. So when it's nine thirty, you're ready to drop. It's bedtime. It's okay to get to that point. Let me move on. I'll haste. Adolescence. Dan Allender, author of How Children Raise Parents, says that kids are uh, asked two questions simultaneously throughout their adolescence. This matters. This is why I'm glad even our young men, I know there wasn't all of them here tonight, but I'm glad they're kind of out of the room because it's hard to understand young people sometimes. This is where life gets a little difficult. The first question that they would ask is, am I loved? The second question is, can I get my own way? Allender discusses how an adolescent's response and behaviors are always rooted in those two questions. The wanderer, as they call it, will live with one hand held out in resistance that says, get away from me, while the other hand is saying, come towards me. In many ways, he has us held hostage. If we come towards him, we aren't respecting his privacy or his space. If we keep our distance, we don't care. And if we do nothing, we're idiots. Wanderers need their own uh, need others' voices. They need outlets, understanding, and boundaries. Wanderers need help. I had the opportunity, not that long ago. It was in. Uh, it was technically that this last semester of school. Um, my my kids go to a Christian school. I care about their education. There's nothing wrong with private school. I just know for me, it was, and for my wife, we wanted to just make sure. You just never know. You can choose your own. I'm not against however you decide to do it. I understand there's limitations with Christian school and private school and home school and public school. Amen? We've still got to be parents. Let me say this as well as a little throw out there to our youth pastor. He gets your kids for two or three hours a week. Now, that voice is important in their life. Don't ever get that twisted. That voice is important. They need mentors, they need teachers, they need pastors that they can speak to and, and, and get some advice from. They need that outside voice because eventually dad's voice is going to get worn pretty thin. It's going to be like a prophet in his own town, he's gonna, and he's just not going to have any power to it. So it's imperative that, that we allow them to have a voice, but at the same token, understand they get three hours a week when you get like 160-something. If you're doing the math, seven times 24, you figured out I was probably wrong. But with all of it, we have to make sure that we are in their lives, especially in adolescence. Uh, uh, going back to it again, I, I, I've uh, let me let me get back here just for a minute. It says uh, that they're they're needing those boundaries and understanding. And so when I went to chapel and I began to speak, I had a group of sixth to eighth graders, right in this age. I, it was the first time they've ever met me. I'm a I'm a chunky guy that's in my 40s now. So it was hard to get a group just kind of like this. They just kind of look at you sometimes. But imagine kids at 8 in the morning on a Friday. They want nothing to do with me. The quicker I get done, the quicker school happens, the quicker it gets over, the quicker the weekend happens. They want nothing to do with me. The only hope is that I'm entertaining and that when I've taken all my time, there's no room for class, and maybe they can have a recess or break or something. And so I'm up there and there's, I don't know, maybe 100 kids or so, three grades, they all probably have 30 or 40 kids in each grade, so probably around 100 kids that were sitting there and never met any of them, and a, a lot of them are hitting this stage of adolescence and life is rough, and And you can see where uh, uh, different maturities have happened. Some kids are growing really tall, some kids are trying to grow a beard, <laughs> which is always funny at like 14 because there's not much to grow, but they'll try it anyway, so God bless them. And so... Uh, In those moments, I had to realize I've got to not only be entertaining, but have something to say and and try to be a voice. And so in that age group, it's very difficult to allow them to speak and, and give you a voice. 35 minutes I had to talk, no mic, trying to relate, be entertaining, all while getting deep in the word of God to grow fruit. My brain hurt afterwards because without that relationship, they do not care what I say. Some of us probably even need to call our parents and apologize for the way we acted in these years. I'll never forget in my home I had an older brother. Everybody knows Jeremy, most of us. He was 3 years older and some of you can't tell that today and I don't know if that's still a compliment but I do thank you for thinking that I was maybe more mature than my brother. But for years he would always look at me and and I was 13, he was 16 and he was 17 and I was 14 and my mom would just beg him, just, Jeremy, just take him with you, just take him with you. And he'd look at me, and he goes, I'm not babysitting that kid. <laughs> and I'd, I'd go away, and life would go on. And it's, it's a tough age because I'm sure I, I look disgusting or whatever. And at that age, it, yeah, you know, you might be obsessed with hygiene, but the truth is there's a lot going on for kids at that age. The, the, the lights in the room have to change. And, and, and the way they're perceived, they want mirrors up everywhere. They want to look at themselves yet not be seen looking at themselves just to make sure everything looks good. But they don't want you to look at them. Just them look at them. So these are our kids. I want to stop for just a moment on explaining the physical stuff and just talk about how we are to raise them spiritually and emotionally. It's imperative in our lives that we have a strong at-home prayer life. Now, in the first handful of years, it's real easy to pray with your children. I'm in that phase. I can get them all in one room and we can pray. I recently learned that all my kids, when we pray together, there's times where we'll take turns and at the end, we're done praying and and, uh, all of them keep their eyes open the whole time. And I thought, what are you doing? What are you doing? Who are you looking at? Are you even focused? Are you in vain babblings? But it's up to me to take them further spiritually. I have to pray for my kids. I have to be an example uh, of how to lead them in prayer. That matters because as they grow older, well, I don't, I don't see the purpose of it. And, and unless they have that prayer life growing in themselves, they'll never really have that attachment. And, and it's, 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 it's great that my kids are getting baptized young and they're getting the Holy Ghost young, and I love that. But in this stage, they will wonder if God really exists, even with what they've experienced as children. Because some of those memories, because of the chemical brain change and all that happens, they'll begin to wonder, is this really part of our world or was I just imagining it? Is this real? And if we don't work through that with our kids, they might not ever grow out of that. And then we end up with with adults that have a problem finding and navigating who God is. And how important he is. And and it's, it's hard. Not every kid wants the Holy Ghost when he's six or eight. Some are extremely against it. It's scary. I've, they pass the lover stage. They're, they're beyond really wanting to get close to anything, including God. And so you kind of have to wait that out. But you better be a good example every time you get. You can't have dinner and just sit and badmouth the leadership or the church or, or just feast on those things. You have to be positive about things of God because, again, you're their example. I've heard it said that if you raise your kids, you can spoil your grandkids. But if you spoil your grand or your kids, you'll be raising your grandkids. And I'm not knocking anybody for how you've done it or not. But it's imperative that we take the time. Even grandparents don't don't miss here just because they're coming over to your house doesn't mean everything goes have the rules. Honor and respect the parents. Got real quiet, didn't it? Let me just give you my example of life. Is that okay? We nixed iPads, phones, and YouTube about two years ago. My parents and her parents thought we were jerks, nuts, stupid, didn't understand, and out of touch. Y'all are wacky parents. You're feeding your kid all naturals. You won't even let them have red, too. those of you that don't know, now they're getting into your dyes and you can't even have candy anymore. <laughs> anyway, it took a long process for us to bleed out the entertainment in our own kids' lives. I've talked about it before, but we finally got to where we can go to a restaurant and they'll actually play with the kids' menu. They'll get upset when there's no crayons instead of where's the phone. They that, Now, some of these – because here's, here's, here's how the world and how the devil works. They put those little Ziosk things everywhere so you can have a quicker experience and you don't have to wait on stuff. Well, what that is is a little target for my kid because I've taken everything else out that now they just want the little Ziosk. Let's just play on it. And so that addiction rises up again in them. There's very few times I'll let my kids have phones. Even around here, it's not that they're without it 100%, but I try to, to to monitor that because I don't want them to be numb to reality. I've got stories, like in the book Glow Kids, where kids would play video games for so long and and be so intense, they would walk out into the world and freak out because they thought the trees were part of the game. They begin to wonder, is this real? Where am I? And for boys, it's a whole lot worse. You know, uh, uh, I don't think I have the time. I don't. It's almost 8 o'clock. Let me try my best to skip down through about 15 pages of notes. But there is um, a part of boys that are different from girls. Boys have less serotonin. So what that means is that when your kids go to school, girls are very good at sitting in a desk and learning. Really good at it. It's like it was made for them. But your boys will literally have blackouts. When a boy looks at you and he's just staring and he's just staring off into the world and you say, Johnny. Johnny. What are you thinking about? Nothing. Don't don't you lie to me. You tell me what you were thinking about. Literally, they've done the work. They've done the science. Their brain shuts off. This is why they fall asleep in class. You don't see girls falling asleep in class. They're the ones getting the A's. (laughs) Boys are just praying, give us something to do. When's the next recess? Can I have a snack? Somebody get me anything. Anything. But we don't know that in our children, and so we'll get upset and we'll provoke them to wrath. We'll, we'll start yelling or, or find ourselves not having a good balance because our kids won't know what it means between their differences. They won't understand exactly the difference between a guy and a girl and, and why guys have it so much harder. Again, that's why when I read it a minute ago, plan their summer. It's okay that your kids go out and run. Discipline might look like, well, it's time for you to grab a trash bag, and we're going around the neighborhood picking up trash. I don't know what's worse, spanking or getting a trash bag or two or three based upon the offense and being told to go pick them up. There was some ladies, I, I, I read a ton of books over this just to try to saturate myself, and I know I'm boring you with some of it, but there were these ladies that would um, literally keep a, a vest and trash bags in their car. And when their teenager would mess up, they would grab a trash bag. Hand it to them, hand them the vest. We're going down the street and we're going to find a spot that's not too busy and you're going to pick up and fill up a trash bag and I'm going to follow you in the car. Has anybody ever done that? These are great ideas. <laughs> These are things you keep close. <laughs> but with boys, it matters that we, we work with them Appropriately. I've heard pastor even say it at a certain point, spanking doesn't do the job. I'm not here to beat my child if they're like twelve or thirteen or fourteen. it's it's a different approach that I have to have to discipline, but I still have to show I love them through a discipline from time to time. They're still learning. They're still growing. and if it's if if I just throw all the 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 hands in like, well, You're going to do what you're going to do, and and that's that's not not showing love. There's there's a big difference. I talked about this Monday night at prayer, but love matters, and, and to have agape love means that you love your kids unconditionally. You love them without assumption or presumption. So in every situation you come to, you find ways to love them. And you go into the situation and say, man, I love you. I know you're going to make the right choice. You don't have to say that, but that's that's the mindset. We're going to have a communication. And then when things might fall apart, it's like, man, I'm still going to love you through it. I'm still going to leave the door open for you. I'm still going to make sure that you have a place to call home. And, and I don't agree with who you're hanging out with maybe. And I, I wish I would have taken that away earlier. I don't agree what you're getting into. And, and some kids will just rebel. Right? I'm not saying this is planned, but there comes a stage when they're trying to get their wings spread so far that they'll just simply want to do whatever you don't want to do. And it's our job as parents to love them through all of those, to make sure they have an open door that they can still say, this place is home. This place is where I've raised you. This, You're still going to be my son. You're still going to be my daughter. You can't run far enough away from me. That prodigal son story was was huge when it talks about being a parent. No matter how far they run, did the the, the prodigal father, did he like it? No. Probably didn't agree with it. I know it's a parable, but could you imagine what the father had to deal with? Imagine what the brother did. And the son comes back and the the father goes and picks him up. You're not going to be a servant. You're going to come and feast at our table and and we're going to wrap you with love. They will come back if you act right. One of the scriptures I read, if you train up a child, when they're old, they won't depart from it. I understand at certain points, your kids might seem like they're leaving things, but I'm telling you, love them. Get close. Make sure that you can find a way to bring them back home as our music comes. Moms, we have specific roles that we have to fulfill in our boy's life. For some moms, we've got to watch ourselves and not be man-haters. Women carry many emotional issues sometimes, and, and sometimes it's it's a man that's a problem psychologically and spiritual wounds. A, a, a person that's labeled a man-hater as a lady is a woman who's not experienced the healthy use of a man's strength or maybe not learned how to trust the strength and the power of men will inevitably subvert her son, and teach him to be ashamed of his masculinity. She'll send him messages about his manliness that will affect him emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually, mess with his life. There are some mothers that they call them in psychology the mother hen. We all know mothers like this. They're the overprotective, hovering, l squirting, baby-don't-climb-so-high, anxious type. Deal with this in my home. Some wife, I love you. We uh, we sometimes get labeled helicopter parents. Anybody ever heard the term? Where you're just always hovering. My oldest is 12 now. It's hard. I understand it as a, as a parent. I get it. As a youth pastor, I get it. I never. I, I knew the first year when young people would come into the youth group, they might not want to be there every week. They might want to go back to their old Sunday school classroom. I had to make room for them to grow into it it's okay because a 13 year old and 18 year old don't have a whole lot of business in the same room they're they're different styles they're different types they're still growing they're in different stages of this growing up and so it was very intimidating a lot of times for for young boys and young girls alike to to get into those rooms and to to be something that they didn't feel like they were supposed to be it's imperative that we understand our children Spend the time listening to them, the way they say things. It's okay to read some books and get to where you understand the stage that they're going through. There's even times where even as young adults, they're going to shut their minds off. They're not going to hear you. As a mother, it's uh, understandable as much as you might hover that uh, the truth is we can't do the homework for our children. It's very hard, but it's okay that our kids fail. I'd rather them fail a class and have the report card that nobody will ever see as an elementary student or a junior high student, than drop out of college, and instead of saying terms like, I'm going to run away from home because they don't understand failure, they don't understand hurt, but now they might say, well, I'm going to shoot myself failure really hurts at 18 19 or 20 when at 12 it might have been okay if they got a c or a D or an f you don't have to hover the same is true on the opposite end to let your kid just run rampant to not be a parent of them there's 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 got to be balance to everything this is why again i go back to that eq you've got to keep your mind in check and you can't do that without the help of the keep your mind straight without having a prayer life and without finding time to fast and to pray over your family and and to say, God, protect them. And, and there might have been struggles that you had that you're saying, well, these are generational curses. I know things like pornography are huge in a, in a young man's life and, and different changes to the body that happened through puberty and things of that nature. And, and if we don't know how to have the conversations and, and to warn them, not only warn them, but to, to make sure that there's open dialogue, that we're going to talk through it. And, and they need to know that you're a safe parent in, in a sense, yet, yet one that just doesn't let everything go. As I look across the room, I do see parents, but I also see grandparents. I see some of you that might be mad at me. I pray to God, I, I'm so sorry if I have ticked you off. Some that shake their head, I appreciate that. But I do, I do see, and I know that there's some stories that I might even have been the problem. I might have youth pastored your kids. They might not be here today, and you might say, well, Brandon, you had something to do with that. They told me, I'm sorry. I don't want to be the reason somebody doesn't come to church. I pray to God, if, if it's something I've done and I can know about it, that we can we can have that clearance. I have no problem. I'll, I'll fall all over myself trying to say, yeah, I was dumb too. I was human too. And and as parents, I, I, I'm sure I'll have to get to that point where I have to tell my kid, listen, I was wrong about this. Man, I overreacted. I punched something and I shouldn't have punched it. I screamed and I shouldn't have screamed. And, and I, I, I let something go that was extremely important I said no we're not going to do it and, and I just did it out of spite out of trying to make you learn or I, I spanked you when you were way too old I might have provoked you to wrath with that I want to say this the scripture says that we are to honor and obey our parents right At some point, the obeying might go away a little bit, but the honoring never should. The spankings go away. doesn't mean we don't obey our parents, but if my parent doesn't believe in truth, and I do, then I've disobeyed my parents. So the obeying might go away, but but I'm going to honor them in everything I do. I'm going to honor them and trying to live a a right life. So I'm looking at us as children for our parents to say that we ought to live the life we hope our children will live in 20 or 30 or 10 years or whatever the case might be. We want to get ourselves to where they are respectable, not just successful, not just rich, none of that stuff, but really children of God. I want a young man that can come up and cry with somebody that's went through a divorce or or cry with somebody that's had a death in the family and, and have those emotions not just be all hard because that's all they've known their whole life. I want a young man that can also be masculine at the same token, that, that doesn't have a, a fear of, of people that, that intimidate him or, or whatever the case is that can stand up for himself and, and be able to speak truth and to have a, a life and a sense and, and be everything he needs to be for his family. So it's important, no matter what I do, that I do it for our children. There's a lot of things even in my life where I know that it's because of how I was raised as a young man, good and bad. And so if you're a parent that concerns yourself, well, I'm too much of this, I'm too much of that. Let me help you moms out for a moment. I I didn't even get to dads, but let me help you mothers out. Your young men need to draw a connection to you, and they need to do it early they need to do it for life. The man is an example to the boy. But mothers, you're teaching him who he's going to date and who he's going to marry. I married somebody very similar to my mom and I'm thankful every day. If I ever go into a doctor's appointment where they just get it wrong, I'm the type that's probably like, I'll just never come back here again. She's the type that will say, nope, bring them back in. Just like mama. I have a mother that will watch out for my children. She'll... Put everything aside to make sure that my kids are safe, just like mama. She might not have had the best job in the world, but she made time. I married somebody like my mother. Moms, it's okay that you teach your boys what a good lady's all about. Men, likewise, it's okay that we raise our children to be men of God. It's okay that we cry with them, it's okay that we celebrate with them, it's okay that we have our thing. We're going fishing. We're going to breakfast. Mom's going to stay in bed. She doesn't rise early. That's also my family. Saturday mornings, we leave her alone. Let's go do McDonald's. I'll get you all the hash browns you can handle. But as a parent, I have to be in my children's life. I don't just soft parent. I don't just let them do whatever they want. They're growing up on their own. I don't make my life all about them. I'm living my life, but I'm making sure that they have a place that they can call their own making sure that I'm raising them to be godlike, and I'm trying to be my best to give them an example. This is the man that you're supposed to be. I'm human. Oh, I'm making mistakes. I didn't even get to young adults a lot of times, but, but mothers, it's okay that you cook good food for your kids, and you feed it to them often. It's really true what they say, where a, a, the pathway to a man's heart is through his stomach. So, Mama, you're wondering, well, how do I get my 20-year-old to come back home? He's been at college. Just cook something good. Those college kids hate the junk they eat. So be a place that they can come back to. Show them we're going to love you. It's, they're not going to be perfect. Your kids at Hello, your kids aren't going to be perfect. Your kids are going to have issues. Your kids might not make every team. It's okay, let failure happen. I learned more from the teams I didn't make. As a trumpet player, I'll I'll shut up after this. I just want to try my best to show you I'm not perfect here. I played trumpet. I made some of the best bands you could ever make in the state. One was a new form band. It was called IMEA, and I was a part of the honor band, eighth grade. Man, it was awesome. We played Mission Impossible. We had all these great songs, and and it was like Saturday practice and Sunday performance. And then uh, uh, I, I remember the practice was about six hours long. And I had a solo. I was first trumpet. I was it, man. I was everything. And so Sunday came along where we were supposed to play it, or maybe it was a Friday that we had off of school, and Saturday was a performance, whatever it was. It was back-to-back. And six hours of practicing the same high trumpet parts all the time. And and I practiced a lot. I had my embouchure. I had my chops. I was good to go. But on Sunday, when it came time for the solo and the director just does that, nothing came out. I'm glad my family's not here because they're jerks. They still joke about it. Brandon's got a little bit of a choke issue. Yeah, maybe. I got to work on that. That's in my limbus. That's in the brain that I might have issues, but that failure, that failure kept me when I was in college and I didn't feel like music was going to be it anymore when the grades weren't quite there, when I wasn't sure how I was going to continue. I wasn't failing out, but at the same token, if I was going to continue on in music education at Ball State, I knew I had to make the certain grades, and I had to redo some classes, and I was going to stay there longer, more money was coming out. I knew all this stuff was going to happen, but it was okay because I'd already failed. My parents picked me up. Yeah, we might joke about it, but they were there for me. They didn't just leave me go, how dare you, you're disgusting. You had all these people. All these parents are coming here, and that's how you're going to do You're just going to mess up like that? No, they, they made sure they loved me. You're okay. It's one of the first times I remember my dad just throwing an arm around me. He's not much of a hugger. Thank God for grandchildren. But he'd always put an arm around me when I needed it most. We're okay. You did good. You did good. And it made the failures later on in life not make me say I'm going to end it all. It made life possible. Not always sure how to end stuff like this. I just tried to pour out my heart on what I feel in our families as we raise our children. So I wonder if you wouldn't mind, maybe join hands with the person next to you. We do need work in this area. Well, I don't have boys, that's okay. Some of you have had your children already kind of grow up and they might've made their decisions. It might not be good. That's okay going to pray for them right now. We're going to pray that God would help us to have another opportunity to just reach back into their life. If your kids are growing up and they've already passed the stages that were fun and, and the ones you wish that time would stop and, and the ones that, man, it just made you smile. They were so much fun. They do this. They do that. They talk. They joke. Sin didn't seem to be an issue. It's okay. We're going to get through it. We're going to raise these boys to be men of God. We're going to focus on their lives and not only theirs but our own and make sure that everything we do just points to that one day, to that great beyond, that bridge that crossed the great divide, that one moment where we can go and see our master because nothing else matters but that. Everything else is temporal, but we've got to focus on the eternal. Let's pray together that God would have his way. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, in these families, Lord, as I speak right now, Lord, I pray that you'd put strength in us, God. I know that uh, there's even some in this place that might not agree, Lord. I wasn't trying to be confrontational, Lord, but I pray that you would help our minds and our hearts. Lord, help us, Jesus, I pray, to raise the young men of this, this church, God. Even as we look to our young ladies, to who they might date and marry, Lord, help us to understand what the right guy might look like, and help us to build that in our church. Lord, those that have walked away, God, I pray for them right now, God. I pray that you take every wayward son, Lord, and bring him back home. Every prodigal that stepped away from you, Jesus, I pray. Let there be a tug at their heart, Lord. Help us to have an open door. Help us to reach out, pick up a phone, and call, and try our best to connect with them, God. I know the past looks bad, but help us to love the way you love without condition. Help us to love, Lord, even when it feels like every bridge has been burned. Lord, have your way, God, when there's been hurt and trial, Lord, that have driven them even from the house of God. I pray, Jesus, that you would help us. Lord, as a church, let us show them this is a safe place. A place where they can come back to you, God. A place where they can grow in you, Lord, and it'll be a healthy environment—one that's that's built up on trust in you, Lord. One that's built up in an anointing and in a word in you, Jesus. Have your way, we pray, God. Have your way, we pray, Jesus. Would you give Brother Brandon a hand clap? right now for sharing his heart to us.